0: It was an hour before midnight. In spite of the snow that fell in large drifting flakes, an unusual brightness was reflected by the shimmering whiteness of the trail as the Lone Ranger with his 14-year-old nephew Dan Reed and with his Indian companion Tonto rode leisurely along toward the town of Silverton. You
1: haven't said much, Dan. What's on your mind? Well, as a matter of fact, sir, I'm wondering why we're riding to Silverton. It's so late and with the snow and all. Well, maybe you tell Dan everything now. So him enjoy a visit we make tonight, Kimasabi. All right, Tonto. I think Dan will learn a lesson from what's happened. What's more, I think he'll appreciate what's to come. Golly, I'd like to hear about it, sir. I guess you've heard of Mr. Upton who came to Silverton about eight months ago and bought the silver mining company there? Oh, yes, sir. He has a boy about my age named Donald. I met Donald Upton several times at the general store in town. Well, Mr. Upton has an office in town, and Walt Miller was manager of the mining headquarters outside of Silverton. Upton rarely went to the mine and left things out there in Miller's hands. About three weeks ago, Walt Miller entered Mr. Upton's office and... Suppose you've come for the payroll. That's right, Mr. Upton. Bill, my clerk here, brought the money over from the bank a while ago. I'll count it out for you shortly. and lock it in the bag for you to take out to the cashier at the mine. By the way, how's old Sheldon getting along? Well, sir, as a matter of fact, Sheldon's resigned and took a job over at Pecos. Sheldon resigned? Yes, sir. But I put a new man on last week. Nice chap that Sheldon knew in Stockton. He's a bank teller there. Came there about six months ago. Oh, I see. Why did he want to leave the bank? He sure had reason enough. His job pays a lot more for one thing, and he needs money bad. Has a boy about eight years old, and a wife who's an invalid. Seems a skittish horse threw her a couple of months ago, and she hasn't been able to walk since. Oh, that's too bad. It sure is. Dawson hopes to get enough money someday to pay a good surgeon to examine her and maybe do something for her. Dawson, did you say? Yes, sir, that's his name, Paul Dawson live in that rather shabby little house at the east end of town. Paul Dawson, huh? And he went to Stockton about six months ago? Yes, sir. Came from St. Louis, I understand. Mm, I see. So he's our new cashier out at the mine, huh? Yes, sir. I suppose you'll follow the usual routine with uh, Dawson as you have with Sheldon? Carry the lock bag containing the payroll to him and have him open it with the key I left out there? That's right. You have the only other key to lock it with. As long as you handle the money here and he's responsible for it out there, I'd rather not have a key to the bag. Of course. Well, I'll get the money from the safe. I hope that fellow's trustworthy, since he's so badly in need of cash. Well, oh, I'm sure he is, Mr. Upton. Well, here's the cash. Put the bag on my desk and open it up. All right. yes. Yeah, it is. Cash is tied up as usual in bundles of $500 each. Here are eleven bundles to make the necessary five thousand five hundred for the payroll. I'll put them in. There's one bundle, two, three, four. Upton slowly counted the bundles of cash as he put them in a small black bag under the watchful eyes of Walt Miller. Finally, all eleven bundles were in the bag. Then, as Mister Upton closed the bag and reached into his pocket for the key, he spoke to Miller. By the way, Walt, uh, step into the back office and tell Bill I want him to ride out to the mine with you. I've heard of outlaws in the vicinity. Gosh, in that case, I'd be glad to have him go. I'll get him. Glad Bill's coming with me. Wouldn't like to get robbed on the way. Golly, did outlaws
2: hold them up on the way?
1: No, then. They arrived at the mine headquarters safely. Turn the bag over to the cashier, Paul Dawson. Bill went back to town and Walt left Paul alone in the headquarters office to make up the payroll. A little later, Walt returned to the mining office. Uh, almost snapped you down, Paul. I was just coming out to call you, Mr. Miller. The payroll's short. Short? What can't be? Come and see for yourself. Look there. Ten bundles when there should be eleven. There's five hundred dollars short. Mr. Upton must have made a mistake. Now hold on, Dawson. He didn't make any mistake. I saw him put 11 bundles in that bag. You're making the mistake if you think you can pull a fast no. one like that. But i tell you, when I unlocked the bag and took out the money, only 10 were in it. Bill rode with me all the way, and that bag was locked. Only you and the boss have keys to it. And I know he put in 11. You go get your hat. We're going in to talk to the sheriff right now. No. And I'm willing to bet... No, I can't... won't go with you. You can't blame me for taking the money. I'm leaving here now. Oh, no, you're not. Get out of my way. i got to get away quick. I won't let him send me to prison. I won't. Oh, Paul Dawson ran from the mining office and rode off into the hills. Golly. Of course, the sheriff and the posse hunted for him. They he managed to cover his tracks and get away. Gosh. What about his invalid wife and his little boy? Well, that was a sad part of it. Dawson's wife and his boy, Sandy, were left destitute... Holland and I didn't know about them at the time. We would have helped. That right. For two weeks, nothing was heard of Dawson. During that time, the widow Downs, a neighbor who had little herself, did what she could for Sandy and his mother. Well, one day, about a week ago, Mrs. Downs took some soup and carried it over to Dawson's shabby little house.
2: morning, Sandy. I brought a bit of soup for you and your mother. Oh, hello, Mrs. Downs. Mom will be awful glad to get some soup. I'm sure she will. I'll bring it in. It's warm and ready to sip, so I'll just take it into the other room for her. Come along, Sandy. Who is it, Sandy? Oh, Mrs. Downs, how nice of you to come over. There's a bit of soup that'll warm you up, my dear. I'd rather Sandy had it, if you don't mind. Oh, I'm... I'm not very hungry, Mama. You take it. Now, now, there's enough for both. Sandy, lad, bring another bowl like a good boy.
3: Golly, yes. Oh,
2: bless his heart. Another week and Christmas will be here, Mrs. Downs. It isn't fair for a young child to face such a bare, drab Christmas as Sandy will have to go through. I know Paul didn't steal that money. I I thought that somehow he'd get to it. but he... I... Mrs. Downs, you want to ask me something? Yes. Could... Could you take Sandy to to the general store? They'll, they'll have a bit of tinsel or other trimming hanging about for him to see. Would you mind?
3: Gosh, I'd like to go. Oh. Of
2: course I'll take him. We'll go there right now. And while we're gone, Mrs. Dawson, you can take your soup. Have your soup first, Sandy. Then we'll walk down to the general
1: store. So the kindly Mrs. Downs took Sandy with her to the store... ...so he could see the meager trimmings the storekeeper put up for the holidays. Oh, gosh. Like any small boy of eight, he forgot his troubles when they got there... ...and enjoyed the holiday atmosphere. But the event was spoiled for Sandy when Donald Upton, a few years older than he, entered the store and came over to speak to Sandy.
3: Hello.
2: You're that doggy kid, aren't you? Uh Uh-huh.
1: I bet you're not going to have a Christmas
2: tree. My father's getting a big one with lots of trimmings, too.
3: Maybe I'll have one, too.
2: (laughs) I (laughs) suppose you think Santa Claus will bring you one, is that it?
3: My mother says that the real Santa Claus is the spirit of the Christ child that makes people want to give gifts because Christmas is his birthday. And if anyone, and if everyone does right and wishes hard enough, the wishes might come true at Christmas. So there. Aw, you know what I think. See Here, Donald Upton, you've said enough.
2: Sandy lad, there's a little pine in my yard, and we'll cut that down for a Christmas tree for you.
1: Gally, I feel sorry for little Sandy. The Todd and I did too when we heard about it later. Isn't that right? Well, a few days ago, Toto and I, who had been hunting for Paul Dawson without success, had a bit of luck. We rode near Eagle Canyon, and Toto noticed a thin column of smoke rising from back up the canyon. We rode up there and saw a deserted prospector's cabin. Leaving our horses, we approached cautiously on foot and sneaked open the door. We saw a man asleep on a cot against the far wall. There, man, sleeping on cot. Back yonder, Kimisabi. Yes. He must be worn out with fatigue not to have heard us come in. Let's look. Kimisabi, that looked like Dawson. We see him once at mine. Hmm. Get your gun handy. I'll wake him. Dawson. Uh, I... Dawson, wake up. Uh, 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 oh. <coughs> Outlaws. You're covered. Don't go for your gun. I, I don't have a gun. If... This is your cabin. Dawson, I... we've been hunting for you to take you to the sheriff for the mine office robbery. I didn't steal that money. I, I Look, would I be here now like this if I hadn't? What do you mean? I... I haven't eaten for two days. I lost my horse. If I'd stolen money, would I try to live on scraps, berries? Anything I could find like I've done? I... Uh, all right, take me back. i I can't stand it any longer. I worry about my wife and son. It drives me crazy. Crazy, I you. Here, sit down, Dawson. Take it easy. <laughs> that money. I could only figure it out somehow. Only Upton and I had keys to the bank. But he's rich. Why would he want to take it? He'd know I'd get the blame. Does Upton know you, Paul? Not that I know of. I've never even seen the man. The only Epton I knew was back in St. Louis. He was a doctor, a well-to-do surgeon. And he had reason to hate me, but he left St. Louis. I haven't heard of him since. I oh. no, 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 no. This couldn't be the same one. And anyway,
0: he didn't even know I was around.
1: Did that doctor you speak of have reason to leave St. Louis? Yes. Very good reason. To avoid arrest. Did he have any family? A wife and son, perhaps? Yes. Yes, he did. Why? Hmm. Paul, after you answer a few more questions, I think I will take you back to town to prove that you didn't steal that money after all.
0: To continue our story, as the Lone Ranger with Toto and Dan Reed rode leisurely along the trail to Silverton in a light snowstorm, the masked man took time to tell Dan the story of Paul Dawson and his little family.
1: Well, Dan, as I've told you, we found Paul Dawson asleep in a deserted cabin and woke him up. His denial of guilt and the few things he told me about a doctor in St. Louis roused my curiosity, so I questioned him further. Both Todd and I were impressed with the way Dawson answered my question. Now, tell me, Paul, what was it that Dr. Upton did that caused him to leave St. Louis? And what was your connection with the matter? More than eight months ago, my uncle was sheriff there. He's dead now. Anyway, he made me a deputy, though I worked part-time in a bank, too. Go on. The bank was held up, and the two outlaws got away, but we got a look at him. And we knew one of them had been wounded by one of our bullets. I see. What then? My uncle was quite sick at the time, so I took a posse out after them. The next day, we caught them in their hideout some distance away. The wounded outlaw's shoulder had been treated by a doctor and properly bandaged, as we could readily tell. Yes, I understand. Go on. They both swore that the well-known surgeon, Dr. Upton, had fixed the wound, but that he demanded a thousand dollars of the stolen money for doing it promising that he'd send them out of town in his own carriage. That's not, not good. Anyway, I'd delayed getting out a warrant out for Upton's arrest for a while. But the outlaw story rang true, and someone had seen the doctor's carriage going out of town over the route they had taken. That's interesting. Well, finally, I went to Dr. Upton's house myself. But someone had tipped him off, and he'd left town. That was proof of guilt? No way. Let me finish. His wife and son, Donald, stayed on in the fine big house for a while. Then she quietly sold it to some Easterner. Just as quietly left St. Louis to join a doctor someplace. Oh, what then? The outlaws came up for trial. and They were sentenced to hang. Just before the hanging, they confessed that the doctor didn't know they were outlaws at all. and That he didn't demand the money they said he did. Then why didn't he still defend himself? Everyone was bitter against him at the time. I guess he felt he didn't have a chance. I'm in a position to know how he felt. No, mm, that's right. I had no way of contacting him to let him know. Then when my uncle died three months ago, I brought my wife and son out to Stockton and took a job in the bank. A few weeks ago, I got the job at the mine office. That's all there is to it. Hmm, I see. Then, still thinking that you might be after him, Dr. Upton would do what he could to prevent you from disclosing his identity. At least until after he could put you in such a position that no one would believe whatever you might have said against him. You mean you really think Mr. Upton and Silverton is Dr. Upton? Yes, Paul, I do think so. I intend to make sure. I'm going to take you to stay a short time with someone I know as your friend until I can have the charge against you cleared. Gosh, mister, if you could do that, well, Christmas is coming in a few days and I could go home. Yes, that's what I'm hoping, Paul. Come on, we'll take you back to town now.
2: Golly, uh, did you get things cleared up like you wanted to, sir?
1: I'm coming to that, Dan. How and I left Paul with Mrs. Downs. Uh, That night, night before last, I went to Upton's house. I waited until I knew he was sitting up alone, then I went to the door. Well, a masked man. come to talk to you, Mr. Upton. What could an outlaw have to discuss with me? I'm not an outlaw. I came as a friend, and I'm certain you be very glad to hear what I came to say. Dr. Upton. Dr. Upton? How did you not... I, I mean, you made a mistake. You just gave yourself away, Doctor. How do you care to listen to me, or shall I go elsewhere? No, no, come in, come in. I Thunder, if you came here to blackmail me... I haven't any such intentions... I did come here to get you to admit you framed young Dawson. Ridiculous. There's an open and shut case against him. You ought to know how it feels to be wrongly accused, Doctor. Wrongly accused? You believe that I was. I know you were. Your name has been cleared back in St. Louis. What? Are you sure of that? Positive. Paul Dawson hoped to find you to tell you so, but they know I'm not guilty. Oh, thank heaven. But how do you know all this? You must have seen Paul Dawson recently. That's right, I have. I don't know what to say. You've done him a great wrong. It's up to you to do what you can to right that wrong. Yes, I did wrong Dawson. I thought he was here to find me, to disclose the facts about me. But I can't admit in front of everyone that I withheld that money from the bag. No, I can't do that, I won't. You've just admitted it to me. It would be your word against mine... They'd take mine, maybe. I understand the sheriff is out of town; won't be back until the day after tomorrow, Doctor. It's no uh-huh. use arguing. Day after tomorrow is Christmas Eve. It'd be a good day for you to have a talk with the sheriff and clear Dawson. I'll wait until then. I advise you to think it over carefully. Good night, Doctor. Upton. Did Dr. Upton go to the sheriff? Yes, he did, Dan. And the charges against Paul Dawson were dropped. Mr. Upton explained that he had withheld the money. And I told Paul, you can imagine how he felt. Well, this is Christmas Eve. Just after dark, I took Mrs. Downs and Paul Dawson to Paul's house. When we reached the front porch, we found Dr. Upton waiting. Neither he nor Paul spoke a word. I whispered to them to follow me. Mrs. Downs had told me that Sandy's scraggly little pine tree was up in the front room, and that she and Sandy had trimmed it with bows made of bits of ribbon or little balls of cotton. I had mentally compared it with a big glittering tree I had seen at Upton's. We quietly opened the door to the darkened room. Sandy had brought a blanket and spread it close to the tree to sleep on. As we tiptoed in and stood just inside, we saw Sandy's figure kneeling near the tree. We listened.
3: My little Christmas tree is better than any of them. And thank you, God, for sending it to me. And please, God, let your spirit of Christmas make my mom well again. Don't bother about a present for me, except only send back my daddy. Donald Upton said, there wasn't any Santa Claus, but I know there is, because he's the spirit of the the Christ child that makes folks want to give. So please, see that I get what I asked for just now. Amen.
1: Sandy spoke his childish prayer. A moonbeam broke through the clouds and entered the window. It was like a small spotlight from the heavens, touching the little tree and sparkling in the ribbon bows. Then Paul spoke softly, brokenly. Sandy. Sandy, I, I've come home.
3: Daddy! Oh, Daddy! My boy! I knew you, come.
0: Oh, oh, Sandy, this is little heart <laughs> that, that little tree,
1: it seemed to be touched with the whole spirit of Christmas.
2: And why not, Mr. Upton? A little touch of hope and love went into every little bow on its branches, each one made by Sandy's own hands.
3: Sandy? Who's out there? I'm coming, hey, Mama! Come on, everybody! Turn up the lamp, son, so I... I can see who's
1: with you. I'll turn it up, Dora.
3: Paul! Oh, Paul, you...
1: You've come back to a. Yes. And to stay, honey. Oh. Everything's all right now. I've been cleared. Oh,
3: thank heaven. But... But who...
1: The masked man is a friend. And a good one. How do you do, Mrs. Dawson? How do you do? Paul, you're... Other visitor? Oh, yes. You know Mrs. Downs, this man is... I am Dr. Upton from St. Louis. Mrs. Dawson?
2: Dr. Upton?
1: Why, I... The past is forgotten, I hope. The future? Well, as I heard Sandy say, if one wishes hard enough, perhaps I can make you walk again. I feel sure I can.
3: Oh, golly, Mama. I got both things I asked for. What you said about the spirit of Christmas is true. I'll always believe in it, Mama, even when I'm growing up.
1: I hope you will, Sandy. I've just begun to believe. Later tonight, I want to bring my son and some others from town to this house. In this simple home, I've really found the spirit of Christmas. That's the story, Dan. there's Dawson's place just ahead... I ride close to the window and find out if Dr. Upton did return with the townsman he said he was bringing. Here we are. Postal. Postal. Easy. Steady, big fella. Yes, I can see them in there. Look, Dan. There's Dr. Upton holding sand in his arms. See? Oh, gosh.
2: He sure looks happy. And he's singing with the others, too.
1: (laughs) Oh, me like your Christmas singing.
2: I... Well, they they seem so happy, and all With the snow falling and the singing, I feel sort of different inside. Like they said they did.
1: I like to believe, Dan, that the spirit of the Christ child is the spirit of Christmas. For these people have found it among the humble surroundings here... Just as the shepherds and the wise men found it in even more humble surroundings, a little stable in Bethlehem.